Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back for another Monday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the normal Monday morning fashion by giving us the weather headed into the week. In Los Angeles, California, it is partly cloudy, 74. In Houston, Texas, it is clear, 85. And in Chicago, Illinois, it is partly cloudy, 57. And in New York City, it is raining in the high of 58 degrees. All right. Well, you know, Chris, May is finally here, um, which is a relief to me because April can, can still be a little dreary. You know, it still has its cold days for sure. I mean, dear God, we were seeing snow uh, a couple of days here in the last couple of weeks. Um, but now that we're in May, I, I have a lot of hope that now we're actually going to be seeing some true spring temperatures, hopefully. Wow, today doesn't look so hot, but I mean, yeah, that's very true. You know, you got the rain, you got kind of a kind of a low temperature, but it'll you get can better. be wishful thinking over there, but it'll get better, I promise. But anyways, we got some news to get into. Starting off with a COVID nineteen update, uh, you might have heard Dr. Fauci was on PBS News Hour, and he had this to say: We are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase. Lots of news outlets carried this soundbite, or you probably may have read it as a news headline as well, but that's not all he said in the interview. Pandemic means a widespread throughout the world infection that spreads rapidly among people. So if you look at the global situation, there's no doubt this pandemic is still on. The most recent data from the CDC says almost 60% of Americans, adults, and 75% of American children have been infected with COVID-19, and 66% of the total population has been vaccinated, and about half of those have been boosted. Right now, COVID-19 hospitalization rates are low and COVID-19 infection rates are up about 20% higher than they were last month. But the infection rate may be much higher than we know. Last week, Vice President Kamala Harris tested positive for COVID but is not experiencing any symptoms. This comes as Congress is debating another round of COVID relief. Vice President Harris has been working from home as she isolates. She's expected to remain at the vice president's residence and not go to the White House until she tests negative. The goal of our policies should be obviously minimize infections whenever possible, um, but to make sure people don't get seriously ill. The best ways of doing that are making sure people are vaccinated and boosted, as the vice president is, and making sure we have plenty of therapeutics. The president's new COVID response coordinator, Dr. Zha, says that it's completely impossible to even protect major officials, including the president. We have a very, very contagious variant out there. After consulting with her physician, Vice President Harris was prescribed and has been taking Paxlovid, the Pfizer antiviral medication. The vice president just returned from San Francisco. The last time she saw the president was the Monday beforehand. I would urge our Republican colleagues to pass COVID relief ASAP. It's very risky for the health of the American people for them to be playing political games with it. Republicans say they do not need more funding, but debate does continue for that bill. Gas prices are creeping back up again, and after falling from last month, Friday's national average for a gallon of regular gas, according to AAA, is for 13 per gallon, and this is a dramatic difference from a year ago when we were paying 2.89 a gallon. 
And now there has been some pretty serious talk from House and Senate leadership about addressing the high prices and saying all options are on the table. Some of the more serious proposals floating around include a bill to give a federal gas tax holiday. And the current federal gas tax is 18 cents per gallon. But there is a lot of lawmakers, including some pretty powerful Democrats and Republicans, say this idea doesn't really fix the problem. The other proposal under serious consideration is a bill that would give more power to the Federal Trade Commission to monitor the markets for crude oil, gas, home heating oil, and related products, with massive penalties on those manipulating the markets to inflate prices. Several big energy companies reported record earnings in 2021. These are only proposals. This is all subject to change. There are lots of conflicting views about what should be done, lots of opposition to the current proposals, so there's a lot of work to be done before anything is passed. With that being said, House and Senate leadership are tossing around the idea of passing something by Memorial Day that would take it passing the House and getting 60 votes in the Senate within that time period. $33 billion, that's how much President Biden officially asked Congress to authorize for military and humanitarian aid to Ukraine Thursday. During a news conference Thursday, President Biden said, quote, we need this bill to support Ukraine in this fight for freedom. Our NATO allies and EU allies are going to pay their fair share as well, but we have to do this. We have to do our part as well as the leader of the alliance. The cost of this fight is not cheap, but caving to aggression is going to be more costly if we allow it to happen, end quote. That's on top of more than $13.6 billion Congress approved earlier this year for Ukraine, but that money is almost gone. It's important to know just because the president wants that amount of money does not mean he'll get it. If approved, how long will that almost $33 billion last? That depends on several factors. The White House believes it'll help Ukraine for another five months or until the end of the fiscal year, which is on September 30th, 2022. The U.S., United Nations, and NATO are warning this war could go on for years. The president hinted at this when he said on Thursday, quote, This so-called supplemental funding addresses the needs of the Ukrainian military in the critical months and weeks ahead and being the transition into longer-term security assistance that's going to help Ukraine to continue to defend against Russian aggression, end quote. So what's included in this $33 billion package? $20.4 $20.4 billion is for military assistance that includes weapons, vehicles, and cyber capability intelligence. $8.5 billion for economic assistance for the government of Ukraine, including money to keep the government functioning. Counter-Russian propaganda, help food insecurity, and keep the Ukrainian farmers producing wheat. $3 billion is for humanitarian aid for direct food support, medical supplies, resources for refugees coming to the U.S., and $500 million will be for U.S. food production assistance to support production of U.S. food crops like wheat and soybeans by U.S. farmers and enacting the Defense Authorization Act to expand production of nickel and lithium. The president also announced expanded authority of the U.S. government to not only seize the assets of Russian oligarchs, 
but to also liquidate those assets or sell them off and use the profit for these Ukrainian efforts. The United States economy shrank in the first quarter of 2022. According to the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the GDP shrank at an annual rate of 1.4% in the first quarter of 2022. That's the first slowdown in almost two years since April 2020. For context, last year, the GDP grew by 5.7%, which was fastest full year clip since 1984. And that has lots of economists worried about a possible looming recession, there are two popular questions surrounding the GDP that you need to understand. First, what is the GDP? Well, the gross domestic product is the total monetary or market value of all goods and services produced in the United States during a specific period of time. Typically, the GDP is crucial of the overall health of the country's economy. And second, what does it mean that it shrank in the first quarter. This means fewer goods and services were produced and purchased in those three months. The Bureau of Economic Analysis says it reflects decreases in private inventory investments like cars, federal government, state and local government spending, reduction in defense goods or services decrease, and imports increased with increases in durable goods. This report wasn't all bad news. The Bureau of Economic Analysis says several indicators have increased, including personal consumption expenditures, aka healthcare services, residential and non-residential fixed investments, also known as equipment and intellectual property products, versatile income due to increased compensation, disposable income, plus the unemployment rate is now 3.6%, which is the lowest it has been since 1970, not counting March 2020. Now let's talk about a possible recession. We actually warned about this in a show a few weeks ago when big banks started sounding the alarm. Today's report adds fuel to that fire. But not all economists think a recession is guaranteed. Many think this economy still has plenty of momentum and much can change. But the persistently high inflation is really starting to cause problems. Getting into rapid news, 16 states and environmental groups filed lawsuits against the United States Postal Service over its gas-powered vehicle plan. Amazon reported their first financial losses since 2015. Nick, what do you got for this Monday morning good news? For my story today, we have, you know, your casual person saves another person's life story. Um, and while on the job at that. So a DoorDasher by the name of Sophia Furtado was delivering a pizza to a customer's house one day when she happened to find the customer lying at the bottom of her steps, bleeding from the head. The customer, Karen Hebert Sullivan, was unconscious, and so Furtado ran into the house to get uh, her husband and came back and they started treating the wound. Uh, Furtado actually had some experience as an EMT before. She had never finished the courses, but she had a lot of experience in the EMT field, so she knew what to do to at least stabilize uh, Sullivan until they could get her to the hospital. She was unconscious for quite some time once she arrived at the hospital and stayed in the hospital for several weeks, but she is alive and she has recovered and uh, Furtado was awarded with a plaque from 
the city, as well as a pin from the family. And also, DoorDash awarded her with a $1,000 scholarship so that she could attend EMT school again and get her final authorization. Talk about... That's just a good news story all the way around. Saved the woman's life. And, I mean, got a plaque from the city, a pin from the family, and DoorDash gave her a $1,000 scholarship to finish her training as an EMT. And it's just a good news story all the way around, and I love that story. I love this one as well. You know, it's just so lighthearted. It's so nice to hear that, you know, uh, Sullivan recovered and that, Furtado was able to, you know, have her efforts recognized and uh, just for this thanks to be given. And I hope she does get the chance to finish her training down the line. Me too. That's an excellent good news story, Nick. That is the end of this Monday morning news episode. Make sure you come back Wednesday morning for an idiot in the news. But until then, have a great start to your week, everybody. Bye, guys.